So let's get into the message for today. We are concluding our justice series today by talking about judgment. Dun, dun, dun. So you could say in some ways today is a judgment day. Um, this past week was very emotional. It was very tense. There's a lot of angry people. Uh, and maybe even some, a lot of people who were like celebrating because of what happened in the Supreme Court regarding Roe versus Wade being overturned. Now in California, it doesn't change all that much, yet there are people uh, who were protesting um, and just angry and at rallies, like this is in front of downtown LA courthouse, right? Even though California, um, abortion will not be banned, you know, and you know, Governor Newsom made that like abundantly clear. But in many, it's the Supreme Court pretty much left it up to the states. So obviously, this is a really controversial topic. I don't know where everyone stands on this issue. There might be some who are all for like abortion, and there are probably people who are like very anti-abortion, right? So what do we do in the face of this kind of stuff? Because I know very many faithful Christians who are pro-life and very many faithful Christians who are pro-choice. And they have very good valid reasons to be in those positions. And this ultimately brings us to the whole idea of judgment, like judging your neighbor, judging each other. Now, what are we called to do as followers of Jesus Christ, as the people of God? Are we supposed to make everyone agree with everything that we believe or our viewpoints? And I was really wrestling with this. And uh, I came across this post from um, one of my favorite Instagram accounts, Justin McRoberts. He is a musician turned author. No matter what it is I care about or how deeply I care about it, I lose a key battle when I judge people for not caring about what I care about to the same degree I care about it and in the same way. What I've noticed a lot, uh, either with people in person or on social media or online, is that when someone disagrees with their viewpoint, they are so angry and they just are in disbelief. Like, how could anyone be pro-choice? How could anyone be pro-life? right? It just seems like ridiculous. And there's a lot of judgment happening. There's a lot of like criticizing and a lot of condescending comments, right? And this brings us to the central truth for today, which is found in your bulletins and also on the screen. Judging your neighbor is the first step toward hatred. Judging your neighbor is the first step toward hatred. This past week is also very significant regarding our American history because it's the first week or the first year that we celebrated Juneteenth as an official US holiday. So many offices, workplaces took uh, this past Monday off because Juneteenth actually landed on Sunday last week. And for a lesser known memorial, uh, the 20th was the 40th anniversary or memorial of the death of a man named Vincent Chen. 
Now, does that name, does anyone know Vincent Chen? Does that name sound familiar to anybody? No? Well, in 1982, on June 20th, Vincent Chen was celebrating his bachelor party in Detroit, Michigan. And this was during the recession. And this was a really tense time for the automotive industry because a lot of um, import cars were taking over the market in America. And a lot of American automotive companies were going out of business or you know, they were losing jobs or getting laid off. And Vincent Chen, he was just in Detroit, like celebrating his bachelor party. And he was outside of McDonald's. And these two men uh, by the name of Eben and Nitz assumed that Vincent Chen was Japanese. And they beat him to a bloody pulp. One guy held him down on the floor and the other guy beat him with a baseball bat. So he was in critical condition. They took him to the hospital and he died three days later. That, was, that happened on June 20th on 1982. Look it up. Okay. And it's what's more appalling about this is that Eben and Nitz, they admitted they pled guilty to manslaughter. Uh, they did three years probation, paid $3,000, no jail time for straight up like murdering this guy. Because they, <laughs> they didn't even get his race right. <laughs> they assumed he was Japanese. And he was He's Chinese American. And so I'm, I'm thinking like, they judged him hard and they hated him for the absolute wrong reasons, just because they were like full of so much hatred. And that just brings us back to this point, like judgment is the beginning of hatred. Now, I think we're all guilty of being judgmental from time to time, right? I used to be extremely judgmental when I was younger. And over the years, I uh, just lived life, <laughs> um, just went about like, you know, living my life. And over time, I realized I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm becoming less and less judgmental. And I was doing a lot of reflecting on this uh, over the past two weeks because you know, last week I was gone and my buddy Sam talked about forgiveness. And uh, I was doing a lot of reflecting on this. And I was wondering like, why am I, less judgmental now than I was 20 years ago, you know? Um, and that's why I, I kind of had to pull from various passages because uh, this is just personally from my own experience, what I've realized. And the first step to combating being judge judgmental is to grow yourself, to grow yourself. I've heard it said by someone previously um, that pain and suffering can either make people bitter or better. Uh, when I first heard that, uh, I really liked it because um, it's like a homonym, you know, <laughs> those two words, bitter and better, right? But just saying uh, it makes you better is a little too broad and vague, right? And this reminded me of another uh, saying, I'm sure you all have heard it before, which is time will heal all wounds. I'm sure you've all heard that before, right? Time will heal all wounds. That's only partially true. That's only partially true. It's not just time will heal all wounds. It's time and the work you put into it will heal all wounds. 
I'm sure we all know people who have maybe experienced some sort of trauma in the past and they've never really worked on it or they've never really worked on recovering from that. And it affects their behavior for years and years and years and years, okay? One personal example I'll give you is my dad, okay? My own father. He grew up without a dad. Uh, my grandpa, uh, apparently he like left my grandma when um, uh, all, she had like these, like these kids on her own, right? And my dad was the youngest and he was extremely hurt by that, right? And so as soon as he turned 18, he joined the army in Korea and, um, and he did really well. And then he actually got employed there. And then he eventually joined the Air Force and he sent all his money to my grandma. And um, he developed this drinking problem over there. And he kind of kept drinking and drinking. And like he, when we moved here, when I was five years old, he just like kept doing it. And I realized like he never really confronted this issue, this trauma of growing up without a dad, right? He had these, this deep hurt that he never really healed from. Still to this day, I don't think he is healed from it, right? And a lot of time has passed. So it's not just time will heal all wounds, it's time and the work you do will heal all wounds. This is what it says in Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 18 through 20. They will return and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. The prophet Ezekiel wrote this about the people of God, the Israelites in the Old Testament during the time of Babylonian captivity. And part of the reason why God allowed the powerful Babylonian empire to take over uh, Jerusalem and the Israelites is because the Israelites have forgotten their God and they were worshiping other gods, other idols, and uh, other images, okay? This is why in the beginning of today's passage, it says, they will return and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. And their hearts were divided, okay? Their hearts were divided. They were split, right? And God was putting a new spirit in them. And really what God is talking about is God is going to heal them. He's going to restore them and heal them. And when healing happens, our hearts turn, go from being hardened to being tender. When we are growing, right? When we are being healed and when we are being restored and when we allow God to do the work that God needs to do, our hearts go from being stone cold to being tender, which is why God said, I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Pain and suffering, if left unattended and ignored, it will eventually turn people hard-hearted. But if you do the work and you regularly turn towards God and you do that work of introspection, self-awareness, and growth, it will make our hearts tender-hearted. 
there's this wonderful quote from Lady Julian of Norwich that I came across this past week that I shared on our church's Instagram that I want to share with you again. Um, first the fall and then the recovery from the fall. Both are the mercy of God. First the fall, then the recovery from the fall. Both are the mercy of God. I just find this incredibly profound because when we are going through times of pain and suffering, what most people do is just like brace themselves and just are waiting for that pain to be over, right? But there is grace in that pain as well. It's not just when it's over. It's during the pain, what is God revealing to you? What is God trying to show you? And how is God trying to grow you? So it's not just uh, the recovery from the fall that's a blessing. It's also the pain itself is a huge blessing. The actual suffering you're going through, as painful and as difficult as it is, that in and of itself is also a blessing from God. What is God trying to show you in, in the middle of all of that? So that's the first step I realized to comb combating judgment. The second step I realized to combating judgment is this. Know yourself. Ooh, this one's hard. <laughs> know yourself, like truly. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, it says this, okay? And this is the words of Jesus. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This imagery, I, I just always like kind of giggle whenever I see this imagery or think about this imagery. And um, you know, Jesus is saying, uh, why do you look at this like speck of salt? It's like tiny, right? Uh, when <laughs> there's a plank in your own eye, right? And so it's like, um, imagine like someone's walking around like this and they're like, oh, you have a little, you have a little dust on your face or oh, there's something <laughs> like covering your eyelid, right? It's just the whole imagery is like hilarious. But there are people like this all the time, right? There are people like this all the time. Someone... <laughs> someone who's like love life is like completely in shambles and they're giving someone else like relationship advice right or someone who is in terrible shape right their health is just totally like terrible and they're telling you like how to get healthy right or there's people and this is like the my uh, my biggest pet peeve is like people who are totally spiritually unhealthy like criticizing like your faith, <laughs> your beliefs, like your own spirituality, right? When I don't even know if, you know, their spirituality is even existent, right? And there are people like this all the time. And the reason why people are judgmental like that is because they don't know themselves. They don't know themselves. And this harkens back to uh, the great uh, Greek idiom, the famous Greek idiom, know thyself know thyself and i think this was first coined by the great philosopher socrates and the two maxims that follow that know thyself is nothing to excess okay like not, like there's 
there's like never an end to learning, right? And the other thing that follows that is certainty brings insanity. I didn't know this, okay, until this past week, right? Uh, these are the uh, idioms that follow know thyself. Nothing to excess and certainty brings insanity. We should be very wary when we ever say to ourselves, I know myself like really well. <laughs> okay, just be careful when you say that because you're pretty much admitting to not learning more about yourself, not knowing yourself even more. Because our selves, our id, our ego, whatever you want to call it, right? It's not just like a shallow pool. It's a deep ocean. And when you say, oh, I know myself really well, it's like you're admitting to yourself and to the world, I'm okay staying at the shallow end of the ocean. <laughs> I don't wanna go deeper. There's so much more that we need to learn about ourselves. And when we truly know ourselves, it's easier to understand others, okay? Um, when I was flying to Austin, Texas last week uh, in the airplane, I was reading this book become one of my favorite books, Falling Upward, uh, A Spirituality for the Two Halves of Life. I first read this book like maybe eight years ago when I was in my mid-30s. And a, a lot of this stuff just kind of like flew over my head. And now I'm 42, I read it again. And I'm just like highlighting and dog-earing like everything. I'm like, it's so profound. It's really like talking about your spirituality after your midlife, okay? And, you know, that varies for different people when that starts, right? 37 or like maybe even 44, 45, right? And um, I was reading this uh, uh, one page and I, I was just got this idea and I started writing in my journal, okay? And I show, I brought a picture of my journal. Um, you don't have to worry about the quotes on top, but just look at the concept, concentric circles. So I just drew this because I uh, just needed a visual to understand what my life looks like, right? So when we are conceived in our mother's womb, um, we're little fetus, right? What's fetuses? Feti? <laughs> fetus, right? So um, that's the little dot right there. That's me as a fetus, okay? And as a fetus, we think our entire world is our mother's womb, right? Literally, right? We think our entire world is that warm uh, little pool of being in our mother's womb and that's it, right? We literally don't know anything else. Like we kind of hear this voice talking, right? It's, you know, the mother's voice. I'm like, is that you, God? <laughs> right? And we literally think the womb is our entire world, right? And then uh, something really traumatic happens where you're coming out of your mom, <laughs> right? And it's like, what the heck is happening? Where am I, right? Where's all my, where's that comfortable pool of warm water, right? And then you turn into a baby, right? And as a baby, you're, you're just like really just fighting for like basic survival skills, right? Just I'm hungry, I'm scared, right? I'm dirty, right? I'm tired, right? And just really, really basic primitive skills. And you can't really think outside of, those immediate needs, those immediate physical needs. And then you get older, um, you become a boy, a girl, right? And 
you're like kind of learning how to live in your body. You're learning how to play. You're starting to make friends, right? Um, but you really can't think outside of your immediate now, right? You, can, you don't really think too much about the future, right? You don't think about the greater environment outside of what you can physically see. And then you become a teenager um, and your world gets bigger, right? Your world gets bigger. You become socially more adaptive. You're aware, you're becoming aware of not only your own feelings, but other people's feelings, right? And there's tension. You're realizing some key differences that you have with certain people, right? And you're going through puberty and your body is changing. And then uh, in your 20s, your world gets even bigger, right? You graduate high school. You're, uh, a lot of people go to college and their world is rocked, right? They thought they knew everything. And then a lot of times when people go to college, they realize like, oh, I don't know anything. I don't know anything, right? This world is so much bigger. And you're also beginning to realize there's more coming. There's more coming when you're in your 20s, right? And you start your new job, or right? maybe your first career job or something, and maybe you change careers multiple times, right? And just trying to figure yourself out. And uh, in your 30s, hopefully you land into uh, a career that you like and that fits your personality. And maybe you settle down, maybe you find a partner, and maybe you start your own family. And then your perspective broadens. Not only are you thinking about yourself, you're thinking about your partner's point of view and perspective on life. And then you're thinking about your kids, if you have kids, point of view and perspective on life, right? And so your perspective just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And now I'm in my 40s. At first, when I drew this, I drew a line around this, but I'm not done with my 40s. So I erased it. <laughs> so I, can't, I can't close that circle yet, right? And what I'm beginning to realize is that my heart and my spirit is able to contain a lot more. One of the things that Richard Rohr says in this book is that um, as he's getting older, he's becoming more progressive and more traditional at the same time. I totally relate with that statement. As I'm getting older, I do feel like I'm becoming more progressive and more traditional at the same time. And I am, I am, uh, I could feel anger and I could feel joy and I could feel disgust and I could feel loneliness all at the same time. I don't have to push any of these emotions away. Because as I'm getting older, my, my heart, my spirit is like a container that's getting bigger and bigger. And I could hold all of these things at the same time. And this is why knowing yourself is so key to not judging other people. You know, when you're a baby or even when I was a boy, I could only feel maybe one thing at a time. Right? Right? For us parents, right? You know, like if you have like a really, really little kid, a young kid, they only feel like one emotion at a time, really, right? It's either fear or sadness or happiness, right? Joy, right? Um, and But as you get older, you're, it, the circle gets bigger and bigger. And I'm also realizing, oh gosh, there's more, there's even more after this. And my circle is just going to get bigger and bigger. And there's so much that I don't know yet. There's so much that I don't know yet. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. I don't think I put it on the screen. Um, 
It says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? There's so much of ourselves, so much of our hearts that we don't know yet, right? So we just have to admit that to ourselves and constantly be on that journey inward as we live our lives and our world also expands at the same time. And lastly, uh, the, how to combat judge, being judgmental is know your neighbor. Know your neighbor, like truly, truly know your neighbor. Strive to know and understand your neighbor. You don't have to agree with them. You definitely don't have to agree with everything that they believe, their point of view, but try to know them, try to understand them. As I've shared in the past, uh, I'm, I'm taking these classes called CPE, um, or I was taking it and I took a little break, but I'm gonna start it again. And my educator for CPE, CPE stands for Clinical Pastoral Education, is for um, people like me, people in ministry, pastors, who wanna become hospital chaplains. And uh, it's a lot of hard work because you do a lot of introspection, a lot of like self-awareness, and the educator will often like poke and prod <laughs> at you to try to draw uh, the best out of you. And one something that he always, my educator, my CPE educator would always say is this. Um, can we pull up that slide, Brandon? It is impossible to be curious and judgmental at the same time. He said this like repeatedly, right? It is impossible to be curious and judgmental at the same time. And the reason why he brought this up several times is because my classmates and I would vent to him about how we have to visit people that we just can't stand, right? And I'm, I'm not supposed to admit that to you as a chaplain, like, oh yeah, no, we like everybody. We like, we love all the patients that we visit. No, like I had to visit like white supremacists. You know, I had to visit child molesters, like literally these, like I literally had to visit child molesters, right? And like, I, like I, I see, um, uh, well, it doesn't say on there that they're a child molester, but like once I get to talking to them and then they admit these things to me because I feel like they feel like I'm a safe person, I immediately want to like run away. Like, oh my, I want nothing to do with you, right? And uh, when I admitted this to my educator, he said, uh, he, he's, he, kept, he, re he repeated this. It is impossible to be curious and judgmental at the same time. <laughs> like, oh my God, how can I be curious about someone like that? But, you know, I realized like these people come from deep places of pain and trauma and they haven't worked on it, right? And so as disgusted as I am, I'm trying to understand. And when I truly know and understand, it leads me to this place of empathy. It leads me to this place of empathy. And that's the key. Um, and this is why uh, Courtney led us in that song earlier today, The Heart of God, is because it's based on James chapter 2, verse 13. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, I'm not saying we can't ever criticize people, okay? Criticism actually is good. It can be very helpful, right? But criticism without mercy is what judgmentalism looks like. 
Mercy triumphs over judgment. And this is exactly why God sent Jesus Christ down to earth. Jesus not only wanted to know from a distance what we were going through, he wanted to deeply understand us. He wanted to feel what we felt and he wanted to like experience what we experienced. So he's very familiar with physical pain and suffering. He's very familiar with abandonment and loneliness. He's very familiar with grief and loss. And he's also familiar with joy and peace. All the ranges of the human emotion, Jesus understands and empathizes with us. And so we don't have a God who is distant and far off. We have a God who understands and empathizes with us in a deep and profound way. So uh, in closing, knowledge leads to understanding and understanding leads to empathy. And empathy is the antidote to judgment. Empathy is the antidote to judgment. Again, you don't have, it doesn't mean you agree with everything that they believe in, right? But at least you can understand where they're coming from. And in the same way that Jesus understands and knows and empathizes with us in a deep, profound way, we can begin doing that with others. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for being a God who is not distant and far off. Lord, you are a God who understands very well and are familiar with human suffering. And I think a lot of times when we judge others, it's because we have experienced pain and loss and trauma and suffering in our own lives that maybe we haven't even recovered from. I know that's how it is for me. I have these parts of my lives that have gone unexamined. And when I don't address those things head on, they leak out in unhealthy ways, like me being judgmental or overly critical or angry at other people or um, just uh, dissatisfied or even depressed. So as your word challenged us today. Help us to grow ourselves, help us to truly know ourselves, and help us to know our neighbors. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.